Well, this evening we will be celebrating the last uh, lecture divina of this, uh, this year. This evening we will be finishing, literally finishing the Bible. We'll be finishing the book of Revelation and the actual last portion of the Bible. We will be looking at two passages, Apocalypse chapter 21 verses 1 to 8, which is the great vision of the new Jerusalem, uh, which is uh, just remarkable the vision of the heavenly city coming down in glory. Then after that, there are other descriptions of the new Jerusalem and the water of life coming forth as in the Old Testament from the temple, uh, bringing new life to the desert. Um, then we pick up with the second portion today, which will be Apocalypse 22, verses six to 21. Now I have a very um, great appreciation for that passage since that's what I, I did my doctorate on. Uh, oh, now it's 1986 I finished, so 86, 96, 06, oh my gosh, it's over, well over 30 years ago, oh dear. Um, and so um, I, I just, it's good to end with that. I, I love it, it's a beautiful passage. Uh, one of the words, uh, one of the phrases in it, when John mistakes uh, the angel for God, he just he falls to his knees to worship the angel instead of aims low, in other words, instead of the God, he worships the angel who's revealing. And the angel said, no, 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 worship God. And I think that's really the, the sum total, the meaning of the book of Revelation. Well, you might even say of the Christian life, worship God. If we get that straight, everything else will fall into place. Uh, and so uh, that's what, um, that's very important. I will not be commenting or meditating upon two verses. Uh, I'll just skip them when we come to the praying of this passage, uh, but I think I'll read them now uh, as an introduction. And I'll tell you why I will uh, skip them. They're verses 18 and 19. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life of the holy city which are described in this book. That is put in there actually because it's sort of, you know on the videos, you see that if you copy this video, the FBI will come and get you, uh, you know, or you have these copyright things that are, don't you dare take this, it's a, well, th those may be effective um, to stop people from fooling around with things or if you, if you change something, you will be punished. But there's nothing more, uh, 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 powerful than uh, sort of being uh, thrown in the lake of fire and things like that. So what this is intended to do, it is uh, similar to some stuff in the Old Testament, it's just put in there to be sure that nobody uh, tampers with the book. It's kind of a protective seal, but it's not really part of the actual um, message of the last portion of this book. It's more a protection. So I'm not going to meditate upon it. My uh, teacher, my dear teacher, Father Ugo Vani, uh, who also is the teacher of uh, Monsignor Nusku, who's written this magnificent book, Christ of the Apocalypse. Um, he had a, a, an insight, which I think is true, and that is that the Apocalypse, or the Book of Revelation, was intended originally to be celebrated within the liturgy. And so at the very beginning of the book, you have a, sort of a kind of a liturgical dialogue back and forth. And you see elements of that in this final section as well. It's a liturgical dialogue. And it includes things which are very closely connected to the Holy Eucharist. 
throughout the apocalypse, baptism and the Eucharist are very, very important. Remember the letter where it says, I stand at the door knocking, will you open and let me in? Which is, and I have a meal with you? Uh, that is very much reference to the Eucharist. And here we have a thing where it says, I'm coming soon, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. These are all things which are found very much in the earliest descriptions of the Eucharist, particularly in a book called the Divache, or the teaching of the, the 12 apostles. So what we're to think of this final section, it's sort of like the closing of mass, or at least the closing of the uh, liturgy of the word, and then they would go on to the celebration of the actual liturgy of the Eucharist. So there are many Eucharistic themes that are found throughout the book. This final section also has another function, at least I hope it has, uh, because that's what I did my doctorate on. <laughs> Um, this final liturgical dialogue, as they come to the end of the Liturgy of the Word and proceed then to receive the Lord, to experience the, the Eucharist, um, it pulls together the moral teaching of the whole book of Revelation. I remember when I went to Father Vani and said, I want to do a, a doctorate on the moral teaching of the apocalypse. And he said, too big, too big. He said, do a, do a doctrine on the moral teaching of the last verses of the apocalypse. And I thought, too small, too small. <laughs> but in fact, it all comes together. We have throughout the apocalypse various lists of sins. And you see two of them actually in these passages. What you're not to do if you're going to approach the heavenly banquet. And uh, the, the wrong way, just as in the Didache, this famous book, it's there are two ways, the way to life and the way to death, and there is a great difference between them. So there's the way to death, and that's, that's presented here. But also, there is the way to life. And the whole apocalypse is strung out on a line of seven beatitudes. Blessed are those, and the last two are in this passage. They are how you are to live as you go on the way to life. And so the last two of the Beatitudes come together in this passage. The last of the vice list comes together is in this passage. The whole imagery of how you are to live, washing your robes white, being, living a life worthy of the Lord so that you may enter the heavenly city, that's found in this passage. And so Apocalypse 22, verse 621, for, for other reasons as well, is the focal point of moral teaching and exhortation in the Apocalypse. And that after that is resolved, we enter, then we enter into the liturgy of the Eucharist. Anyway, that's a little, little background of this passage. So let's now begin the little section on the New Jerusalem and then the final beautiful, wonderful conclusion to the book of Revelation. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Let us let go of those things which are barriers so that there may be a pathway to our hearts so the Lord may enter in. Away with those sins, those things that drag us down, those distractions that take us away, those false gods that we worship and take our hearts away from the worship of the Lord. Worship God. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy in me, a sinner. 
as we are so caught up in our own cares and concerns, our regrets of the past, our fear, the worry in the future, we come before God with a humble heart. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away even every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without price from the fountain of the water of life. He who conquers shall have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, as for murderers, fornicators, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their lot shall be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am he who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brethren, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the fornicators and murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Let him who is thirsty come. Let him who desires take the water of life without price. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. 
The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw a new heaven, a new earth. Everything is refreshed. New here is not, not the Greek word that means the next one, like another one. New is fresh, renewed, sparkling. That newness in the sense of a new life, new life in Christ. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. This is the great culmination of history. This is what we're moving towards and this is what guides us as we we live our life. It is the vision of the coming of the Lord. And all those things which weigh us down within our own hearts and the world in which we struggle, this valley of tears, this is gone. This is what we're moving towards, the new heaven and the new earth. And this was written to people who are suffering persecution. Earlier on in the book, we hear of the martyrs, the first use of the word martyr in our Christian writings. And we see this, this is written under persecution. And it's written under the threat of seduction as well. Where so many people, they called the Nicolaitans earlier in the book. Remember in the letters of the last two months, we've been meditating on those who are just caving in to the old world, the dead world, the dying world, the world that has no life. That's passing away, there's no future in it. So why hitch our wagon to a falling star? We make our lives just tied into that which is old and dying, not new, but going, no life in it. And what's the point? This is a message for us now. It's just as what gives courage to all the martyrs. And I keep coming back to a, a reality that's very similar to the book of Revelation. And that is St. Thomas More, St. John Fisher, dealing with the dictator of the moment, the one in charge, the one who's sort of on the leading edge of history, good old Henry VIII, who is nothing now. But they could see beyond the wicked king, and we need to see beyond all those who purport to be sort of on the, the, the high tide of history and all this kind of nonsense. But those tides fall. It's all the old world that's passing away. So we must be people who see as we're navigating through the valley of sin and the valley of tears, as we're living in Babylon, the discordant city, we need to see the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, the new heaven and the new earth, and not sell our souls for that which is tired, fading, insubstantial, illusory. This is what Newman, the great uh, Cardinal Newman, said on his tombstone, from shadows and vain imaginings into reality, that which is real, into the truth. So let's just ask ourselves in an examination of conscience, how much of our heart is tied to that which is dying? And to what degree can we see the new heaven and the new earth? But that's what the future is. That's the real history when history falls away. That's where we're going. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more.
The sea in the Bible is that which is a source of danger. Think of Jonah on the sea. The sea is chaos. The sea is no more. There is ordered harmony in the new heaven and the new earth, especially in the new Jerusalem, symmetrically ordered harmony, glory. That's what we see. And the sea is no more. The raging powers of chaos are no more. Finally, that of the very first lines of sacred scripture is gone. And we have newness, freshness, new life. May we commit our lives to that, for that's what matters. That's what is real. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Then death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. I saw the holy city, fresh Jerusalem, sparkling Jerusalem, the city of gold and sparkle. And we see in the passages immediately after this, which we'll not be praying this evening, the diamonds and jewels and new Jerusalem. It is a city, the city of God. And that's what Augustine realized as the barbarians were raging through the empire, just as they do today. The barbarians were raging through the city of man. He could see the city of God. There's a, a saying in a very wise book, After Virtue by Alistair McIntyre, that the barbarians are not at the gates, they're in the citadel. And if you look at some of the judgments we're getting from the courts, all I can say is something is not found in the scriptures. Hello, there we are. So this, the city of man, discordant Babylon, where strange and bizarre things rule, where up is down and down is up and black is white and white is black and chaos, the sea in other words, the sea that is no more, the chaos, that's passing away. And we are living right now in Babylon but we're citizens of the holy city, Jerusalem. And we must simply, consistently, courteously, boldly, lovingly act accordingly. Let's not look at the sparkle of Henry VIII's robes, for he is not simply any more than just the local king and whatever, whoever takes his place in our day. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. He doesn't say, I saw that it's going to come down. We think of it that way. I saw it's going to come down in the future something. He sees it coming down now. It's already here to the degree that we are living. As citizens of the New Jerusalem, it is here already. In the midst of the city of Babylon, I saw it coming down, it will reach fulfillment that he describes now, and when the, the old passes away, the new is there. But already in this Babylon, it's coming down now, if we will only see it. I saw the holy city coming down out of heaven from God, 
prepares a bride adorned for her husband. Think of the images of the church in the book of Revelation. First of all, the candle stand, the light, the light shining, lumen gentium, light to the nations. The title of the Second Vatican Council's book on the church, a document. Secondly, the heavenly city, Jerusalem, not Babylon the Great, but Jerusalem, which is the only thing that's going to be left when Babylon is totally obliterated. And the other is the bride, the bride of Christ. The wedding feast of the Lamb has begun as we sing almost every Vespers. The wedding feast of the bride of the Lamb has begun. It's, that is the church. And it says elsewhere in the Apocalypse that the, the garment, the wedding garment of the bride of Christ is woven from the good deeds of the saints. So we're weaving our day. What is our day spent doing? It's weaving the wedding garment of the bride of the Lamb. Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them. I will be your God, you will be my people. This is the promise of the Old Testament. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. So let's in our hearts resolve that we don't build our lives upon the former things. There is no substance to them. They're passing away. The dust, we remember that in Lenten time. They're not the new Jerusalem. That's why, as I often say, I think every final hymn, although I've got nothing against how great thou art, I think the final hymn of every funeral should be something about Jerusalem, Jerusalem. That's where we're going. And he who sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without price from the fountain of the water of life. He is giving us life, as in the desert, water from the rock, as in the Holy Eucharist, as in, of course, the water of baptism, but also the life-giving water, which is also a symbol of the Holy Eucharist and of all the sacraments. Behold, I make all things new. Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. So much in our life is not trustworthy and true. And if we're Pitching our tent in Babylon the Great is not much other than quicksand upon which to build it. We need something trustworthy and true. We need stars to steer by. And we find them here. Trustworthy and true. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without price for the fountain of the water of life. The Chaim to life. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. This is throughout the Gospel of John we hear this, the promise of life. Water in the desert, water from the rock. And here we have picking up again what he wrote in the, in the letters, he who conquers. He who conquers shall have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. He's not conquering now. 
he's being thrown in prison by the Romans. But he who conquers, he who says Jesus is Lord, not Caesar is Lord, he who conquers shall have this heritage. Those who witness to Christ, martyrs sometimes, so many in our day, more than in the day of the apocalypse, I will be his God and he shall be my son. That's what has always given courage to the martyrs. And it should give courage to us, if not to die for Christ, to live for Christ in Babylon. Unless we have a vision that all just to sort of do what you want, no moral code here. No, there are two ways. The way to life and the way to death. And there is a great difference between them. Or as the Lord Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is near at hand. Repent from the way of death. The kingdom of God, the way of life is near at hand. Notice how often he says, I'm coming, I'm coming soon. So the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, fornicators, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, their lot shall be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So we are free to be murderers, fornicators, the polluted, faithless, and so on. If we choose to go to the path that leads to the lake of fire, which is the second death, the first death we cannot escape is death, human death. It comes at a time we do not expect and an hour we do not choose. Remember the person building up his barns? I will build bigger barns. And God says to him, you fool. This night your soul will be asked of you and what do you do with your barns then? So that death is the great way of waking up and realizing life is short, eternity is long. Lord, teach me the shortness of life that I may gain wisdom of heart. That's the first death we all experience. So we have no control over it. We have no control over it. We try to control the moment of death. We are climbing onto the throne of God for our life is a gift. We do not say, I'm taken over. That vain autonomy, worshiping self, the will. No, our death comes when our death comes. It's in God's hands. The second death though, we do have a choice over. And that is the death of the soul. That is the lake of fire. That is hell. It is the second death. We do not all need to die the second death. None of us should die the second death, but all of us die the first death. But it's how we live our life here in this world that is passing away, that determines if we will die the second death, which is the lake of fire. And that is the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the fornicators, sorcerers. We're to turn away from that. There are two ways, the way to life and the way to the second death. And there is a great difference between them. So the apocalypse is a call to us with hope and joy. Turn away, repent, for the kingdom of God is near at hand. And then St. John describes the beauty of the heavenly city, Jerusalem. And then at the very end of the book, he begins to now launch into the liturgical dialogue, which is the conclusion 
of the Bible. It's also the conclusion of the book of Revelation. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. Remember here it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I will give things that are trusty. And these words are trustworthy and true. That's what we need in life. We're blundering along in the fog. We need something trustworthy and true to get us to the heavenly city. Then he says, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Behold, I'm coming soon. The Lord, the spirits of the prophets, the prophets of the Old Testament, certainly, but also the prophetic voice of the Lord God in the church now. There are people within the church who have that prophetic voice as well. And that is also one of the missions that is given to bishops, to be that, to do that, to serve in that way. And that's, I'll never forget a very great bishop. I was at his installation and he had the biter and all that kind of stuff as we all had in the sanctuary. He said, we all look like bishops, but we should really be bishops, not just look like them. I've never forgotten that. I think, oh dear, oh, put on the things, oh dear. So, the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Behold, I am coming soon. Now, the book of Revelation has been misused by people who start calculating that it will be on such and such a day of sudden. They use the symbolism which they don't understand in order to be able to dictate when he's coming. He doesn't say I'm coming, you know, three days and two hours. We fool around for three days and repent for two hours if he told us that detail. No, I'm coming soon. We'd be ready to meet the Lord today. No one of us has promised tomorrow. Remember, I was listening to a speaker at a prayer breakfast. He said he a friend of his, beautiful, wonderful life this man lived, a very holy young man. He was, he was drowned, boom, like that. Why such a good person die so soon? And he said it taught him, none of us is promised tomorrow. He's coming soon. So every day, you know, it's just like priest of God, celebrate this mass as if it were your first mass, your last mass, your only mass. Christian, live this day as if it were your first day, your last day, your only day then flick out the light, go to bed, and put it in the hands of the Lord. He's coming soon. Behold, I'm coming soon. And so therefore, what does that mean? Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Because he is coming soon, at a day we do not know, or at an hour we do not control at all, blessed is he who keeps the words of this book. Repent. For the kingdom of God is coming soon, whenever. We need never fear the future or regret the past if every day we simply say, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. I, John, am he who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. And he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brethren, the prophets. And with those who keep the words of this book, 
Worship God, period. Worship God. That's it. The whole of our life. Worship God. When I do this or that or think this or that or say this or that, am I worshiping God? Or am I choosing a false God to be my God? Who am I worshiping through my life? That is something which I need to be attentive to. If I get that straight, the details will all take care of themselves. Let's ask the Lord to give us the strength to see clearly that central point of life. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. In the past, in Daniel, for example, the, the words of the prophecy were to be sealed up for the moment which would come when it would, all things would take place. We're past that now. The time is near. The Lord has come, and he's coming again. This is a book about the coming of the Lord. He is coming soon, for the time is near. The end of the world is partly that. We think of that with the heavenly city, Jerusalem. He is coming, the coming of the Lord. We don't know anything about that, that we can dictate or predict or anything. This is not a book of predictions. The Lord is coming. He's coming at the end of our life. No one is promised to tomorrow. It could be tonight, could be tomorrow, could be any time. We don't know. So we must be ready to meet the Lord when he comes at the end of our life, whenever it may be. But he was coming to these people about 25 minutes after this passage was read in the Holy Eucharist. He's coming, he comes here every time Mass is celebrated. The body of Christ, amen. It is the Lord. So he's coming soon. That's the only coming of the Lord we can more or less predict, depending on the length of the homily. We can predict. He's coming soon, like at 1042 or something like that. And that Lord we meet here is the Lord we meet at the end of our life and who is ruling over the universe, we think very appropriately in this Feast of the Ascension, at the end of time, whenever that may be. So if we get the first coming right, <laughs> the most immediate one of the Holy Eucharist, which this is all a preparation for, then we'll be ready, and some of them are going to be meeting the Lord the next day in the arena. When he came at them like a beast, when the, the, the evil empire came like a beast, and then they would meet the Lord. And I think of, you know, I can't help thinking of those young, all those people, those 250 or so, where the Lord came to them on Easter Sunday, right at communion time at Mass. And some who were there before the explosion received the Lord as preparation for his coming at the end of time and at the end of life. And some, including those who had not yet made or approaching to make their first communion, received the Lord. He came to them like that. And then they had the beatific vision, which everything else is just a preparation for. When sacraments shall cease, they needed sacraments no more for they were with the Lord immediately. 
He is coming, he is coming. He's coming at a time we do not know. But in this time, meanwhile, we don't know. It's, it's just things go on. The evildoer is evil, the filthy are filthy, the good are good, the holy be holy. This is daily life in the life of the Catholic Church, you know, the reality. And we might simply say, well, there we are. But no, he's coming soon. And so let's not become blasé about that. Behold, I am coming soon bringing my recompense to repay everyone for what he has done. This is our faith. There are two ways, the way to life and the way to death. There's a great difference between them. Therefore, we should act accordingly, or as Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of God is near at hand. We need to live that way. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. The gates are open of the new Jerusalem, but we must wash our robes to enter in. And notice the robes that are soiled. Robes in the apocalypse in a lot of scripture means our behavior, what we do, how we live. And so we wash our robes white in the blood of the Lamb, it says earlier in the book. That's through baptism. How do you wash robes white through blood? Well, we know. We wash our robes white through the blood of the Lamb, through the sacrament of baptism, and through martyrdom. There's an account of an early martyrdom where the Christians were in the arena, the animals were killing them, and they were blood was pouring out. And the Christians around the arena cried out, well washed, well washed. We wash our robes white in the blood of the Lamb. So we must not have soiled robes. That's why we have confessionals at the back of the church here. And so the first gift of Easter was, peace be with you, whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven. There's a dry cleaning station at the back of every Catholic church. Let's get our robes cleaned, purified. And let's not go naked with nothing to show for it which is the other way that clothing is used in the apocalypse. Instead, we wear the white robes, which we wear symbolically at baptism. That's a beautiful symbol, in, it's visual, in uh, the Easter Vigil, when those who have been newly baptized, the adults are often have white robes. So they, that's what it means. Let's live a baptismal life. And then we can eat. They have the right to the tree of life, the Eucharist, new life in Christ our Lord, they may enter the city by the gates. Now, the next, again, we have, that's the way of life. Now the way of death the leads to the, not this holy city, Jerusalem, but to the lake of fire, although it said earlier, not here, outside. Now, I am always impressed by the fact that it says outside of the dogs and sorcerers and fornicators. As a cat lover, I've always cherished this, this sentence. It tells us, I think, that as we're approaching the New Jerusalem, we will not hear a woof, woof from within. But perhaps it doesn't say so, but I assume we'll hear a meow. That, however, of course, is a what you call eisegesis. That's reading into the text. It's totally false, totally false. Well, maybe false. No, it is false. It's not what he's talking about. The dogs are uh, evil people living a bad life. Uh, 
it may have been cult prostitutes and things like that. Um, sorcerers, fornicators, murderers, idolaters, everyone, now this is interesting, who loves and practices sin? No, loves and practices falsehood. This is why the Gospel of John we hear, you know, in letters of doing the truth, falsehood. We're crooked inside, we're living, we're building our life upon an illusion, upon falsehood. The great evil that the early fathers of the church saw was illusion, falsehood. And so we must say, am I living truly? The true, the good, and the beautiful all come together here. We don't pick and choose. That's why we need to say, what is true? What is good? What is real? To love and practice falsehood. That's why lying is a really bad thing. We should be who we are, say what we say, live what we say. Uh, we must live our words truly and repent when we don't. Who we are, what we say we will do, that's why the great commitments of life are important. We say things that, well, baptism is said for us, unless we're older. Confirmation, we make a pledge, turn away from evil, turn to the Lord. At marriage, we make a pledge. In fact, the whole of marriage, the marriage liturgy, is the words. It's made of the words of the bride and the groom. Words, words. And the same with the commitments made by a deacon, a priest, and a bishop at ordination. Words, the words are there. I put my life on words. The words go ahead of us, and we need to be every day true to them, not live a falsehood, but be true to them. That's why we often have uh, celebrations. We do each year in this diocese, most dioceses do that, have a renewal of wedding vows. And every Easter we have renewal of baptismal vows. We say the words again to check between what we say and what we do, whether we're living truly, we have to know what the truth is and then bring our life into harmony with it so that we do the truth. And it's as simple as that, it's also as difficult as that because taking us away into falsehood are all these other things, idolaters and so on, all the other things that are there. Outside of the dogs and sorcerers and fornicators and murderers, idolaters, everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit who motivates the church. Receive a Pentecost. Next Sunday we celebrate that. Say to Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. And the bride, the bride of Christ, the church, says, come, come, Lord Jesus. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears, each one of us, say, come, come, Lord Jesus, come soon, come into my life, come. And then we turn it around. Let you, he, all of us who is thirsty, come to Jesus, come to the Lord. We say to the Lord, come to us, and we must come to the Lord. Let him who is thirsty come. Let him who desires take the water of life without price. It's free. The water of life, we're, we're struggling through the desert. And we just hit the rock once and the water gushes out. That's all we need to do. We come here for the water of life in the midst of a parched land. 
very parched land. And we need that. Or we will begin to start seeing things and living things and being things that are not real. We will die in the desert. But the water of life is free and it's abundant. Just like the water that pours out of the temple in Ezekiel, and which is referred to just before this passage. To he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. The ultimate martyr witness is Christ himself. I'm coming soon. Amen. We all cry out, come Lord Jesus. This was what they said at mass in the ancient times. We should probably do it again. Come Lord Jesus. Maranatha. Come. And then the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Some manuscripts have with all the saints. Amen. That's good. But some of the most ancient manuscripts just simply say, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all, period. That's it, be with all, or be with all the saints, amen. And the Bible comes to an end. It is so majestic. It is trustworthy and true. And boy, in this world, we need something that's trustworthy and true. As all kinds of things, the walls begin to shift and this goes that way. And People are saying things you say, you've got to be kidding. I mean, things which, uh, you know, up is down and down is up and this is that and everything is, you know. Things which are real are rocks become sand in this secular world. It is indeed a desert of quicksand. We need something trustworthy and true and we have it here. And we have it there. And we have it here when we receive the Eucharist. It is the Lord, the Lord who allowed Peter to run across the shifting waves. But now there is no sea when we are with the Lord. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without price from the fount of the water of life. He who conquers shall have this heritage, and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, as for murderers, fornicators, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their lot shall be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And he said to me, 
These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am he who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brethren, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense, to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers, fornicators, murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Let him who is thirsty come, and let him who desires take the water of life without price. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 